0: Hi, I'm Spencer Ziegler. Hi, I'm Melissa Smith.
1: And this is Serena Halstead. Welcome to Data Lit. Now, in this episode, we are going to be looking on um, assessment methods. And uh, so far, we have talked about um, selected response, extended response, and personal communication. And so for today, we're going to continue on with our discussion on the different types, and we're going to be focusing on performance assessment. For the different assessment methods that we have covered so far, we gave like a definition of each. We provided examples, and we also discussed when they're most suitable to use. Um, We also made some comments on like elements of feedback as it relates to using the different types of assessment methods. Now, one of the first things that comes to mind when I hear the word performance assessment, I think of the word action. I'm thinking of my students doing something that is not the typical multiple choice or short answer response. Melissa, Spencer, what comes to mind when you hear performance assessment?
0: So yeah, it's similar. There's there's a line I like from Grant Wiggins from uh, the idea of authentic assessment, that assessment should determine whether you can use your learning, not merely whether you learn stuff. So similar, I think that that use, the application, that doing stuff is what pops in my head. What about you, Melissa?
2: So for me, um, I'd have to be honest that I didn't think that there was a place for performance assessments as a math teacher. Right. Um, So but that has changed over time in that depending on the type of performance assessment, I could see how like when we talked about doing those real world problems again, as long as I'm looking at the students doing something that that was the performance assessment. I used to think performance assessment was only something that you can see like in an art class or a music class, Mm -hmm. but I I see that now there is a place for performance assessment in every class, right? Because it depends again on the types of targets that you're talking about.
1: I like that, Melissa. And Spencer, thank you. I like that little quick definition that you gave about, um, it's more so about you using your learning, right? You're applying your learning. And definitely, Melissa, um, performance assessment, it goes back to you. um, It's not just the art class, just about every class, but it depends on the the standard that you're trying to um, assess, right? Mm -hmm. So without any further ado, I'm going to give a definition here for uh, performance assessment. And so it says... Assessment based on observation and judgment, where the process of the performance or the product itself is judged as to its quality, typically consists of two parts, the task to be completed, and the criteria for judging the quality. So with that definition, I am seeing here two things coming out. I have this assignment that the students are gonna be completing, but then I'm also looking at me judging the quality of this final product that they give me for the assignment. All right, so I'm gonna get into some different types of performance assessments. So we have our standalone, um, we have the curriculum embedded, we have constructed response, and then we have our complex project. Melissa, could you just give me a quick overview of the different types that I've mentioned?
2: Sure. So, they, so the research has said that there's sort of like a ring of performance assessments, right? And they sort of build on one another. Like in one class period where there's very limited student choice. So I think of like the math problems that I used to do with my kids, right? So mm-hmm. they do it in one class. I'm probably looking at one uh, learning target and they get that done. And then you had those... Um, the types of performance assessments that are considered like a standalone. So you have, again, you can probably have two or three standards that you're looking at, still limited choice, and um, it probably takes one or two class periods. an example of that, for me, um, I think of the Wake County performance tasks that we give in grades four and grade seven, where we are pulling from language arts and maybe science or social studies, and the students complete that in you know a class period or two. But again, they have some choice, but the choice is limited. And then the next level up is like the curriculum embedded um, performance assessments, right? Um, and those for me are, again, multiple, pulling on multiple standards, they tend to be very integrated. And that's, to me, the start of where you start to begin give students a little bit more choice and get more student involvement in the decision making. And those are, uh, you know, could be once to two weeks, you're building on them. And an example of that, I think of, that's really nice, is in the district, our use of the EL curriculum where they have those performance tasks, that are sort of culminating events at the end of a module. Mm -hmm. I think those are really good examples of uh, curriculum embedded type performance assessments. And then the final, part in that range is the project, uh, complex project types of performance assessments. So those are, you have multiple standards, they're very integrated, lots of student um, choice and decision making, a lot of flexibility and they take time. So I think of the, and I hate to use this, uh, this cliche, but you know how we talk about project-based learning. So, Mm -hmm. you know, PBL, those PBL units that teachers pull together and they could be like math and language arts or social studies, you know, those big units that they put together that kids spend time working on, I think those are really good examples of the complex project types of performance assessments.
0: Yeah, you know, if I can jump in for a second, um, one of the themes I feel like throughout this series is that it's not good assessment methods and bad mm-hmm. assessment methods, but the right mm-hmm. method for the standards, the student, whatever it might be. Likewise, I feel like that rings true for this. It's not good types of performance assessments and bad types. It's just what the situation calls for. So like what you were saying earlier, Melissa, with like kind of math class, that you might not have the kind of prototypical example, like the band student performing the song in front of some giant audience. You think like that's a performance assessment, but that doesn't mean that you can't embed types of these performance assessments into the curriculum to be able to see how well students can use their learning and transfer their knowledge. Right. Right. I agree.
1: Right. I agree with that, Spencer. And, you know, when we think about the different types of assessment method, as Spencer mentioned, it's not about having like a good type or a bad mm-hmm. type. Whatever the assessment method that we're choosing, it will require some work on the teacher's part. Right. And when I say require some work on the teacher's part, the teacher really needs to think about the big ideas. What is it that you really want the students to to know and you know, can show you that they know it? Right. And then as it relates to performance assessment, it's you looking at what they have created and basically putting that measuring stick, so to speak, to what they have done. Right. So you're putting that measuring stick to their application of what they they've learned from you. I'm going to go now to looking at the uses So when I think of the performance assessment, we're trying to assess targets that requires a skill product, right? Some form of reasoning. Definitely the performance assessment taps into those. And as it relates to like Bloom's taxonomy, I'm thinking more so the higher level up. What do you guys think about that?
2: So I agree that a, that a performance assessment, uh, depending on the standard, those standards that require a demonstration, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know how we talk about what students know and are unable to do? I feel as though performance assessments are really good at the be able to do, right? So I feel as though the, the use of a performance assessment really taps into that that demonstration piece.
0: Yeah, and that... that- um, this line from Mendick and Brown's quality performed assessment, I think, speaks to that. And that's the performed assessments add a fuller, more in-depth picture of student learning, lead mm-hmm. to more rigorous and relevant learning experiences and result in greater equity of access to post-secondary skills, knowledge and credentials for all students. So I think it is that you're able to tap into that fuller picture um, mm-hmm. when you climb up Blooms, when you're looking at that use and transference.
1: So so basically I'm, what I'm hearing then, guys, I'm hearing like, I'm looking for information that is more than just a recall. I need to see more than what you can just tell me. I need to see what you can do, right? That's what <laughs> we're thinking of when we think performance assessment
2: it's best used in those circumstances but again it depends on the standards right because there are some standards that are just purely knowledge-based and there are some again that tap into that demonstration of the higher uh, levels of blooms
1: all right guys so let's jump into the elements of feedback What, what does this feedback look like for students what does it look like for teachers so for me, I'm, for example, if my student create like a, a, a product, and I'm going to give you an example of a performance task that I gave my students. So we were looking at the different um, ecosystems. And so I had my students select one of the ecosystem, and they were supposed to be more so expert. And what they were supposed to do, they were supposed to act as if they're um, like, they're a tourist coming into Mm -hmm. that ecosystem and they were supposed to now explain to the tourists the different features of this ecosystem. So what the students actually created was like this little shoebox um, replica of uh, what do you call those guys? Diorama. Thank you, Spencer. Exactly. That's the word I'm looking for. But it was not just that. The student had to get up in front of the class and explain to the rest of their peers. For their explanation, the students that were observing them, I gave them a rubric and they were supposed to be checking off like, does this diorama has all the elements that what we're looking for in terms of what um, the tundra should look like? And does the student explain, working for keywords and concepts that, you know, defines the tundra? And so for that performance piece that I gave my students, this is where we're talking about here's the task. And then here's the rubric to assess it. Right. So for me and my students and Mark, this was elementary. I think of the performance assessment here giving more tangible and more transparent um, elements of feedback. What do you guys think about that?
0: Yeah, I think that that's what came to my head, that tangible and also that goal referenced aspect, because kids are creating something that speaks to the standards themselves, it, it can, that authentic product and sharing it to an authentic audience can really tap into, this is the goal, of the standard, and they're creating something tangible. So those are the two elements that really jumped out to me when I was thinking about this.
2: Nice. Melissa? I think performance assessments are really good in terms of giving kids uh, actionable feedback, right? Because again, you have that rubric. And so if you uh, create a rubric that is clear in its criteria, then again, depending on what score the student gets, they can see very clearly, this is where I am in my evidence. And this is where next I need to go if they're not at that top level. So I think the rubric aspect of performance assessments, allows us to really illuminate the actionable um, parts of uh, feedback.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. definitely. Which can,
0: I'm sorry. Things? I was going to say that that can make it user friendly then as well, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is so natural. Like, um, say you want to know a kid can hit a curveball. I miss baseball. baller recording during coronavirus. Um, so it jumps in my head. Like if you want to know if a kid can hit a curveball, like a performance assessment kind of example would be you throw the kid a curveball and see if he can hit it or not. You're able to then give them feedback that's very goal-referenced. You either can or cannot hit the the curveball, very tangible, and the actionable. You're going to be able to see like, oh, you need to move down your wrist a little bit. You're having upward plane, whatever it might be. Um, right. So I think that really, the authentic nature shows how it's hitting those elements.
1: Um, what about the, the timeliness of it? Because I'm thinking more so of the 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 the, the time when I'm going to give my students feedback. Really, you know, I'm just supporting them as they go along, building the project. But the the final feedback is more so when they're presenting it to me. Um, so, in terms of the timeliness, would you say that you know giving a performance assessment allow you to give that quick feedback as compared to other types of assessment
2: methods? So performance assessments typically they don't uh, illuminate timeliness as much because again, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the, the type that you have under rubric and to give feedback, it mm-hmm. doesn't lift timeliness as much as let's say, um, selected response might, mm-hmm. or maybe personal communication might. So
0: it, it all depends on the time. Yeah. And that's, I think you're right there that the type makes a difference. And one of the things I would stress is that again, assessment is not just the number in the grade book. And that if the performance assessment is something that kids are working on over a longer stretch of time, you don't have to wait until the very end when you're using the rubric to give them that feedback. You you can take advantage of, of providing them with kind of Quick feedback as they're working so that the grade isn't a surprise. They know exactly what they need to do to hit that goal reference kind of piece of it.
2: So, I think, like I said, like when you're doing, especially when you're doing those, um, let's say the PBL types of uh, projects or you're doing the curriculum embedded where you're working on the product uh, over a longer period of time, it is really probably an effective use of the rubric to constantly be checking in, you know, having kids, and then you can even put, um, involve some of that uh, self-assessment, right? The kid, as they go along on this project, they can use a rubric to sort of self-assess to see where they are. So I like that idea of not waiting till the end, but how can you incorporate feedback along the way?
1: Now, as Melissa said, as you go along, I was thinking of that ongoing feedback, right? Not waiting until the end, but providing, you know, you know, telling them, yes, you're doing well, fix this, fix that. Yeah, Mm. definitely.
0: And that might be drawing on other assessment methods as you go. So there's the big performance that they're working towards if you're using that kind of type. But along the way, maybe you're drawn on some quick selected response kind of pieces to give them that immediate feedback. Maybe you're using some personal communication. Maybe you're looking over what they're writing out as they're planning. So that you're using each assessment method to, to kind of help kids, to sit aside kids as they're they're learning and working on the standards.
1: So guys, this concludes our discussion on performance assessment. And I really enjoyed this series. We looked at the different types of assessment um, methods. And today we talked about performance assessment. And so this basically concludes the series on assessment methods. Um, Spencer, could you just give us like a quick next step that we're going to be doing as it relates to our series?
0: Sure. We want to actually kind of create our own performance assessments for students within Wake County. Um, You might have noticed as listening to these podcasts that there's my um, bad and off-tempo ukulele playing for the kind of theme music and in between sessions. Um, We know that there are students that are significantly more talented than I am. And we would love to give them a chance to have some of their music published and get a shout out in a a podcast that they created music for it. So if there are students that want to submit music that we would then use in our show and reference you as the creators, we'd love to check it out. So you can submit maybe like 10 seconds or so for like a theme song and then quick two, three second kind of things that we use between clips. Um, You can submit any files to us at www.wcpss.net forward slash data lit, and we look forward to hearing some student submissions and start working them into future episodes.
1: Thank you guys for joining us. Have a good day.
0: Bye.
2: Bye.